You couldn't have possibly convinced me that when I was 14 years old, I'd eventually find confidence. You couldn't have convinced me that I'd actually like myself, that one day I'd actually have self-esteem, that one day I'd be hosting my own show with pink hair and a black and red silky jacket. Now, if I knew this, would I have done anything differently? Would I have stopped wearing baggy clothes and embraced my embarrassingly small chest size? Would I have stopped trying to be understated with my hair and embrace my quirky side? Would I have started to wear makeup and finally embrace my female sexuality? Now guys, I really, really think about this because the truth is, yes, it held me back. The things I could have done differently if I could have had confidence would have been astronomical. So today I wanted to do a different kind of show. I wanted to share seven tips that I wish I knew when I was wildly insecure so buckle up and hold on to your seats because you're about to get a boost of confidence. Tip number one from Nicole LaPera, choose to be confident. Talk to me about confidence and I know you actually compare confidence with ego and the difference between that as well because that actually is something that I try to pay attention a lot to. Like I don't ever want to spill over into ego but I always want to be confident. Yeah, absolutely. Ego, I don't think, is what we typically have been taught it was, like a pompous, a egocentric, a narcissistic, like it's just about me and I'm great. Ego, as I see it, and psychologically, is a protection. I'm protecting part of myself that's insecure, that's unsure if I can be that person that's scared, that's not as confident right now. So with that said, confidence is a choice. Just like discipline is a choice. You know, a lot of us will look at, and a lot of the work I do requires consistent tools, using these tools consistently. There's no magic elixirs. We don't do this thing once or as needed as most of us like to do and get better. So when I'm working with people, I talk a lot about habit development, meaning how do we make these choices consistent? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of things I hear when people struggle, there's a very real reason why, universal reason in the subconscious, why change is hard. I normalize it across the board because change is hard for all of us. And a lot of things I hear people self-describe is when they struggle to change, I'm undisciplined, I'm lazy, you know, maybe even this, I'm not confident, whatever it is, I'm not that. So therefore I can't change. And this is why change is hard. Um, So whether it's confidence, whether it's discipline, I believe those are choices that can be cultivated with consciousness and then repeat it enough that then we can actually begin to show up in the world confidently or you know, disciplined mm-hmm. or whatever it is that we're working to achieve. Tip number two from Alex Hudgens, fake it till you make it. But how do you put that hat on though, right? Because mm. if you're at home and you think of yourself as shy, I like the fact that you're saying don't identify yourself because that yeah. almost like reinforces it. Yeah. But to take that step to be that shy person that looks up to someone like you and is like, oh my God, I want that life. But mm. they're just paralyzed. Like, how do, how do you put the hat on? All of our circumstances are choices. There are situations that, of course, maybe you're you know, a victim of something and things happen to us. But 99% of the time, and even how we respond after those things, it's mm. choices. It just is. And we want to act like things are fixed. But the reality is very few things about anybody's personality are fixed traits and some choices are harder to make than others and it's going to take a little bit of work to put on that introvert hat or extrovert hat um, but one step at a time if someone if you're watching this and you're like I think I'd want to do that but I'm too shy mm-hmm. well you're not going to jump straight on a red carpet that's not how the industry works anyway start by 
making one new friend this week. Maybe that's your goal is I went to a public place and spoke to a stranger for 15 minutes. Check. Mm -hmm. And then the next week it's a little bit more. And then the next week it's a little bit more. That's how this works. So maybe you're looking at what I do and saying, I think that could be it, but I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. Well, find that thing that does utilize your strengths because all this really is is confidence. Real confidence, not like... I'm okay. Have you found, did you have to fake confidence at first? Because I know I did. I do have moments where, you know, imposter syndrome and all that kind of thing that everybody deals with in some sense. Uh, I did have to fake knowing what I was doing. (laughs) Fake it until you make it. I think, I don't think of it as like me feeling like I'm not supposed to be here and I'm not really ready. But there were moments where it was like, hello, Oprah. I have no business talking to you, but I'm going to stand here like I do. Tip number three from Vanessa Van Edwards. Be yourself, even if that means being awkward. So I totally hear the word fake and how that can set you up for failure. Yeah. So what do you do in a situation? Because when I use the word, it's basically, there are many times I feel vulnerable Mm. or many many times I actually feel insecure. Yeah. And I tell myself, it's okay. So I don't judge myself for it. It's okay. I like that. But you need to lead with confidence because no one is going to gravitate to someone that isn't confident, especially in a business environment or even if you're dating. For sure. So I would say fake the confidence, Mm. but I understand the word. So what would you suggest someone does in that situation? So here's what I would say. So another study, um, uh, what they did was they wanted to look at anxiety. And when we're talking about awkwardness, I think that some very similar kind of feelings Mm -hmm. in there, anxious, Mm -hmm. awkward, um, shy. What this study did is they wanted to know that exact question, is what do you do if you are anxious, but you got to fake it? Right. You got got to find confidence. Right. They didn't use the word fake it. So what they realized was that anxiety and anxiousness is a sister emotion to excitement. Mm. Okay, so when you think about when you're anxious, what happens in your body? You get little butterflies in your stomach, you start to kind of sweat, you get a little bit of dry mouth, you feel a little bit hot and sweaty. That's anxious. Your heart's like doing palpitations. Now explain excitement to me. Yeah, exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. In your body, anxiety and excitement feel very similar. The cousin or sister emotion, is there a way to reframe how you're viewing your own anxiety as potential excitement. And here's what they did. They took people and they had them uh, come into the lab and they gave them a task. And the task was cruel, in my opinion. What was it? They had them sing Don't Stop Believing into a karaoke machine. So they were rated for their accuracy of words, accuracy of notes, accuracy of lyrics. Like, oh high pressure. I know. Yeah. Okay. So let's see, I think about, I forget the numbers right. So they had them sing this karaoke song, but they had three different groups. Okay. The first group walked in, sung the song, done. Control group. Second group walked in and they had to say, I'm anxious, out loud, and then sing. And the last group had to say, I'm excited, and then sing the song. That's it. No, no prep, no mental nothing, just saying those words. Of course, the I'm excited group outperformed, outsung, and actually enjoyed the experience more mm. than the group that just said, I'm anxious. This is, I think, such good news. It means that we are in control Mm. of how we view our own anxiety, Mm. our own awkwardness. The opening line of this book, which, by the way, when I first submitted this book to my publisher, 
my whole introduction was about, you know, science and data and, you know, all these impressive things. And she's like, Vanessa, this isn't you. That's amazing. She's like, can you start with something more vulnerable? She's like, what's the thing that you're most afraid of that readers are going to see about this book? And I'm like, I'm afraid that they're going to read this book and think, why would I learn about charisma from an awkward person? She's like, that's exactly why they want to learn from you. So the opening line of the book is, my name is Vanessa and I'm a recovering awkward person. It's the most vulnerable thing I could think of. And instead of for years in my business, I hid it. Mm. I hid it Mm. under the guise of being an expert, a scientist, a journalist. And the moment that I began to put my awkwardness forward as a flip side where I view my awkwardness as a very powerful vulnerability, I do not view my awkwardness as a liability anymore. Mm. And I would say the same thing. If you're anxious or you're nervous or you're lacking confidence, what is the flip side to that? Is it that your anxiousness could be excitement? Use that adrenaline. Is it that your awkwardness could be a real vulnerability to find other fellow recovering awkward people? Right. That was why this book did well. I think it was that opening line. That was why in my videos, I decided to put my awkwardness forward. It's the same thing. I don't want you to fake it till you make it. I want you to show up anxious and awkward and learn how to use it. Tip number four from Alexi Panos. Take the first step, even if you don't feel ready. They talk about the confidence gap. Have you ever read that book? I haven't. It's a great book for anyone who wants to read it. It's so good. They talk about that gap will only get bigger if we sit Mm. in the fear. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not confident enough yet to do the thing. I'm waiting to, you know, be more prepared, have more certifications, whatever, right? All the things. But the more we sit in the waiting, the bigger that gap gets, the bigger the fear gets because the fear goes, oh, see, you're still not ready. You weren't ready last month. You're Mm. not ready this month. You're definitely not going to be ready next month. And that little conversation gets louder and louder and the gap gets bigger and bigger. And then five years down the road, we're like, oh, I had this dream five years ago to do what that person's doing and I should have done it, but I didn't. And then that becomes our life. So the way out of that is literally step first, confidence second. So people think it's confidence first, step second, but it's not. It's step first in the fear without knowing what's going to happen. Totally like, okay, let's just see, let's figure it out. And you build confidence through that through going, okay, I stepped, I didn't die, everything's okay. That was actually kind of fun. Let me take another step. And that's how we actually develop our confidence is through the steps Mm. into the unknown. So it's the antithesis of what a lot of people think it is. They think we need to be ready first. And a lot of personal development talks about that. Like you've got to have the mindset Mm -hmm. before you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, sometimes you got to leap first and then the mindset comes second. So simple step, take a step. Like that is the simplest thing. Whatever the thing is that you want to do, break down the first 10 steps that you would have to do to get even moving in that thing and then start with the easiest one and go and just go. Like go, 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 go now, don't wait, go. (laughs) Tip number five from Cassie Ho, be firm. Do you have certain things that you tell yourself? Do you call yourself on anything like that? Um, one thing that I've been trying to do is to take the word just out of my vocabulary instead of saying like, Hmm. oh, I just wanted you to try this and you know, but it's not just, it's like, I want you to do this and really Hmm. being firm about what you want and not caring what other people think about how you're saying it. And for me, it's been really tough navigating 
management employees and stuff mm -hmm. like that because you're con every move that you make is constantly being watched by everyone mm -hmm. in addition to the millions of followers of people watching you too mm -hmm. like you're being watched all the time and so I do want to be careful by my words I want to be careful about people's feelings but at the same time I can't let other people's feelings hinder my vision. Mm -hmm. And I think for the past several months, I've been really struggling with that. And I think it has hindered it a little bit, but no more, I'm not letting that happen anymore. And so usually um, I talk to Sam and he'll let me know what he's seeing from an outside perspective. And a lot of times it's that I just am too sensitive, too caring about what the other person is thinking that I can't do what I wanna do. Hmm. So, and I wish I could have a piece of what you have, which is really like, boom, like you get into a meeting, you know what you want, you say what you need to say, and you're just so firm. Sometimes I wish I could just like pop a pill and be like, okay, harden <laughs> the heart, say what you need to say, and then, then you get back to normal. And so for you, is it like taking it back a notch? Taking like, back the firmness? The firmness. Yeah. And for me, it's about upping the firmness. Yeah, yeah, is that you feel like that's obviously to your detriment. Oh, absolutely, because yeah. then it makes you feel like you're not confident mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But it's like, I am actually really confident, but I'm so concerned about how you're gonna take this news that it makes me sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. That's when you begin losing your ground and losing your respect and your authority or whatever. And so um, how do I deal with it is I just, I got to practice in my head like, hey, you're going to say this. You're not going to say the word just. Mm -hmm. um, don't apologize if you don't need to apologize because it's just because it sounds nice. Like, hey, I'm sorry, but could you like, no, it's like, hey, I really like how this thing looks. Can you make it look like that? Like, yeah. boom, period. That's it. It's business, right? Mm -hmm. We're not um, in work. Like, you're not necessarily there to be best friends. If you are, that's amazing. But we're here to be a team and to make the customers and the fans happy. So whatever we need to do to get that done in a nice, positive manner, then that's what we're going to do. Tip number six from Nortagori, don't listen to everyone. Then how did you take it to then having the strength and confidence to wear the hijab? What was that first step like? Because you were um, working at a news station, correct? And you heard news anchors, they were saying like, oh, she'd never get a job. Oh yeah. That. So I put on the hijab when I was 16. Um, and it was just amidst this like identity crisis. Like no one in my family thought I was going to keep it on. You can't be on TV with it on, and that's the one thing that I knew I wanted to do since I was a kid. So when I did put it on, I was like, maybe this is going to give me the same strength that I see like in my mom and my sister and my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Like maybe this is like the thing that I need that's going to make me feel stronger. And so I put it on, and right after I put it on, I ended up getting a job offer at a newspaper, and I was like, wait, maybe I can still do this, like accomplish accomplish this dream while wearing it. And so the second you own your 100% like version of yourself, whatever is true to yourself, and you realize that maybe that doesn't fit in with society's typical standards, especially when it comes to television, because everybody's cookie cutter looks the same. When it comes to news reporting, you have to ha carry your, have certain outfits, certain no jewelry, certain hairstyles, whatever it is. So if you are different in any way, you have to be really good at what you do for people to make sure that they're not too terrified of you. And luckily we're in a time right now where like, like diversity is celebrated, inclusion is celebrated, and we've recognized there are strengths. But I don't think that we've recognized the strengths far enough where it's not just like, oh, we have to fill in our diversity quota and we have to make sure that we have different looking people instead of seeing hey actually if we have diversity on our team and in our newsrooms we will be better reporters we will be better uh community service members we will be better 
people in general and will grow stronger. And I think people fear what they don't know a lot of times and therefore you stifle your community's growth. And so once you see past that, you realize, oh wait, there are some really incredible people who I can learn from. And you should always be in a room filled with people where you can learn from because that's the only way you're going to grow as a company, as a newsroom, as a brand and whatever it is. Um, because you have to be exposed to those perspectives, those ways of thoughts, those backgrounds, those stories. And so once I, and I think that this dream that I had was only possible now because of what we were doing today and where we are today. Like my, I was shadowing a journalist at a local station and I sat at the anchor desk. She took a picture and I posted it on Facebook. I said, this is what my dream looks like. And the photo went viral. And because the photo went viral, I got access to mentors. I had like people reaching out to me with support. I had um, people asking for interviews. I had people asking me to speak. And, and I had access to like a global community filled with people who wanted the same for themselves and their communities. And so it really was a timing thing because even then I had people who were reaching out to me saying, hey, like I just want you to know like this isn't going to happen. Like it's always the hijab or the job. Like I've tried this. I've tried this. It doesn't work. You either become a producer or you have to take off your scarf. And I was like, you know what? Like, thank you. But I really think that this is, there's like, a, this is time. It's time for this. And I always try to like make sure I remember to give credit to all of the people who were clawing at the door, who were banging at the door, who were sitting here and, and, and fighting for this. So that when I got to the door, I could just push in and walk through. And it wasn't always so easy, but it was never impossible. I never, ever, ever thought like, there's no way I could do this. My parents growing up always encouraged me in becoming a storyteller and a journalist. Like my dad would put me in front of the news and try to like have intellectual conversations with me as a kid. My mom would drive me to camps and internships. And they would always tell me I was going to be a great journalist before I even knew what that term meant. And this is something I've just recently reflected on, but they're the only two people growing up where you know, like, I knew that they would never lie to me. And so if my mom was going to tell me I was going to be bigger than Oprah one day, I could never be like, that's not true. Mm -hmm. But if this, like, older white guy was telling me I'm never going to be on television because of what I'm going to wear, I'm just going to think, like, well, how, why would I trust you? Mm -hmm. You don't know me. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know my skill. You know nothing about me, and you're making this assumption. I'm going to sit here and believe the people that I trust more than anything. And maybe that was a very naive like way of thinking, but it holds true to me today because I think that the confidence that I had and the drive that I had was built from like the surrounding myself with people who were like, oh, 100%, you got this, anything you want. Tip number seven from Sean Johnson. Choose your peeps wisely. You wrote a blog yes. and you said there are basically six keys yes. to building your confidence that you have to address. Yeah. And you said diet, mm -hmm. Are you antisocial? Mm -hmm. um, your hormonal imbalance, jealousy, new goals, and treating yourself. Tell me which one do you think is the most important one of that for people like that, or for you to adopt in order for you to build your confidence to go from being mm -hmm. a gymnast to dancing to now what you do? Oh my goodness. I would say kind of building on the antisocial. Okay. Um, I did not expect that one. Yeah, I feel like 90% of your confidence has to come with from within, mm -hmm. but the other 10% comes from who you're around. And if you're around the wrong people, if you're putting yourself in situations where you're too insecure 
to put yourself in new situations, if you are reading blogs, if you are reading social media and letting that kind of seep in, it just kills confidence. And I feel like when I talk to young women and young girls who are struggling with self-confidence issues and eating disorders or whatever it may be, I always say the, the way I found a way out of it was to surround myself with people who cared about me and who could reinforce the things that my mind didn't want to tell me. Mm. And if you're antisocial, if you don't want to surround yourself with people who are telling you good things, it's just going to make your problems bigger. Guys, 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 I can't begin to imagine what my life would have looked like if I'd taken this advice to heart when I was younger. So my advice to you is take their advice. I promise it would change your life if you let it. And if you're not subscribed, click that subscribe button. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu. And until next time, guys, go be the hero of your own life and build that confidence. Peace out.